Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Yale Global Online is the flagship publication of the Yale Center for the Study of Globalization and explores the implications of the world's growing interconnectedness through people, products, and ideas. Seeking Safety Abroad, The Hidden Story in China's FDI Statistics, a Yale Global article by Farouk J. Contractor, a professor at Rutgers Business School in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Traders and exporters follow China's volatile stock market, government efforts to shore it up, and the gyration of the renminbi exchange rate following China's loosening of the trading bands, allowing more fluctuation in value. Growing capital flight from China raises questions about the currency becoming a reserve currency by the International Monetary Fund. The global panic in financial markets in August was catalyzed by the relatively sudden devaluation of the Chinese yuan, from 6.2 to 6.4 renminbi per dollar. The Chinese government may have had several reasons for setting the daily reference rate for the currency at a lower level, to signal greater market flexibility or to support exporters. The fact is that enormous amounts of liquid money held by Chinese individuals and companies have for years been trying to leave China and the renminbi as an asset and instead park in non-Chinese assets such as condominiums in Manhattan or Sydney, U.S. stocks, Singapore bank accounts, or simply luxury goods. That created devaluation pressure in the exchange markets. China is getting richer. By some accounts, China is near equal to the United States as the world's largest economy, if one considers the World Bank's implicit estimate for the PPP theoretical exchange rate for the renminbi. In short, there are hundreds of billions of dollars worth of liquid assets trapped inside China. The current rules do not allow Chinese to convert their renminbi into other currencies unless there is commercial justification. A company or individual cannot simply go to a bank in China and ask that renminbi be converted into U.S. dollars. The bank would refuse the request unless the customer can show proof that he or she is a sanctioned importer or a child's tuition in an overseas university must be paid or a foreign subsidiary of a Chinese firm is in need of funds. One strategy likely used by Chinese companies to secure permission to remove funds from China, create dummy companies in Hong Kong and the Caribbean. As far back as 2011, the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development reported that as much as 57% of all outbound foreign direct investment capital went to Hong Kong affiliates or subsidiaries and another 12% to Caribbean entities. By contrast, the outflow of foreign direct investment capital by Chinese firms to invest in European or U.S. affiliates totaled a mere 8.2%. That means as much as 70% of Chinese outbound FDI capital flows, exceeding $100 billion per year since 2011, has gone to two tiny economies, the Caribbean and Hong Kong. Moreover, data gleaned from the UN Conference on Trade and Development show a large number of Chinese FDI 
affiliated companies outside China. For the world as a whole, the number of multinational companies headquartered mainly in North America, Europe, and Japan totaled more than 100,000. Of these, UN data show 12,000, or about 12% of all multinational firms in the world, as headquartered in China. This appears plausible. Chinese companies are indeed increasing their global reach, but then the number of foreign affiliates or subsidiaries of Chinese companies is said to stand at more than 400,000, remarkably more than half of the world's total. If this is to be believed, Chinese multinational parents each had as many as 36 foreign subsidiaries or affiliates, while for the rest of the world, multinational parent firms averaged only five foreign subsidiaries. With a 2,000-year-old bureaucracy, the Chinese do keep meticulous data, and the numbers appear authentic, and they reveal a hidden story, that a significant fraction of the Chinese subsidiaries in the Caribbean and Hong Kong may be mere shell companies, dummy corporations, likely created to create justification for the conversion of renminbi into foreign currencies. In short, to facilitate a hidden capital outflow not really intended for business purposes, but to remove money from China. It's true that a fraction of the mainline China foreign direct investment outflows that go to Hong Kong affiliates return to the mainland for investment purposes in a round trip. A Hong Kong company can pose as a foreign investor and enjoy benefits such as cheap land that a purely domestic investor may not receive. Other Hong Kong affiliates may be intended to mitigate the perceptual drawback of an investor's origin from mainland China. And some unknown yet significant fraction of the outward FDI emanating from China going to Hong Kong, plus most of the outflows going to the Caribbean havens, is intended so that owners can transfer money for tax benefits or to invest in foreign bank accounts or properties. In 2015, Chinese purchasers topped the list of foreign buyers of Australian and U.S. real estate. In the 12 months up to March 2015, the Financial Times reported that Chinese buyers spent more than $28 billion to buy U.S. property. Chinese are the top buyers of housing in New York, Vancouver, London, Sydney. The Chinese are not alone. The world is awash in liquidity following the global debt crisis in 2007 and the rounds of stimulus spending. Cash and quickly sellable assets are conservatively estimated at $75 trillion and likely exceed $100 trillion. Worldwide, mutual fund assets alone exceed $30 trillion, according to the 2014 Investment Company Factbook, with probably double that amount in bank or similar deposits. It's a thrilling story. Up to $2 billion have become affluent enough to have investable savings. But this worldwide flood of money is seeking places for investment, safety, and growth. This requires converting from one currency to another. When there is a sudden collective rush to sell billions of one currency and buy another, exchange rates can go up or down sharply, despite government counter-purchases as seen in the August devaluation of the renminbi. 
the world's two billion middle-class and affluent individuals are aware of investment options. Virtually all have internet connections that amplify news reports, fears, and panic. All said and done, in August, there were no deep fundamental economic reasons for the simultaneous swoon of stock markets around the world. The Chinese economy is slowing down from the heady days of 10% or more annual growth rates to a mere 6 or 7%. So absurd is the news hype and angst amplified by the Internet that a 7% growth rate, ordinarily the envy of most nations, is instead portrayed as a reason to sell assets. Also absurd? The portrayal of a mere 3% devaluation of the Chinese currency as a cause for panic, sell-offs, and crashes. A global civilization that is intimately interconnected and awash in liquidity is one prone to a collective global psychology and herd instinct. Prepare for more thundering hooves and market gyrations. Furrow Contractor is a professor in the Management and Global Business Department at Rutgers Business School. He has researched foreign direct investment for three decades. This and other Yale Global articles can be found at yaleglobal.yale.edu.